the Fox show, um, you're listening, you're tuning in in your car somewhere, you're watching, you're wondering who are these guys, you know, I stumbled on, Christopher Walken's on the show, I'm not sure, is he? Maybe. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's that Falcon time of the week. This is the What the Falk Show. I'm Connor Falk. For past listeners, you know what you're getting into right now. First time listeners, let me explain what you're about to hear. You're about to hear informational, witty, and relevant banter found in conversations with new guests each week. These guests can be from entertainment, from the arts, from education, from sports, from many different avenues. The goal is try to provide an interview and a process for you to learn some insight, a different point of view, and that overall culture. Now, this Falcon week on the What the Falk Show, my guest is Steve Cooper. Steve Cooper is the host, creator, and producer of Cooper Talk. Cooper Talk is one of the most popular, most successful, most entertaining online radio shows out there today with over 500 episodes on dozens of affiliates whether you're in california florida buffalo wherever you can find cooper talk online and on the radio to go ahead and give you some awesome conversation much like this show but his guests are even bigger guests like phil rosenthal the creator of everybody loves raymond from the creator of the shield from actors here actors there so many different people from mark polish a guest that i was lucky to have on this show cooper talk steve cooper is a very experienced man in the world of radio very experienced in the world of comedy he's done stand-up had extensive stand-up career back in philadelphia the guy's done a lot of different things. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation we have about online radio, what it takes to be a successful guest, what it takes to be a successful host, and so on. And so forth, make sure you're checking out sponsor the What the Falk Show, Ferris Pizza. Ferris Pizza is the best pizza for the best price with the most love in it. Next time you're in Bakersfield, California, check out Ferris Pizza. Now let's go ahead and get Cooper on the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. Mr. Steve Cooper, this is Connor Falk with the What the Falk Show. How the fuck are you doing, sir? Good, man. What's up? Good to hear from you, brother. Yeah, man. I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I did a little intro about your background. Over 500 episodes of your online radio show, Cooper Talk. Affiliates upon affiliates in every part of the country. People have been listening to you and your guests and your radio show for a long time now. So I'm really excited to have you on the show and kind of talk about your background and radio, stand-up, and acting, and the uh, the kind of the love and the hate you have with the Philly sports background. I think that's going to be pretty interesting in the city of brotherly love. So uh, again, man, I just want to say I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for coming on. Hey, it's good to be here. You know, it's... Uh... Nice day in Burbank. My girlfriend's on set. I said, hey, you know what? Why not talk to Connor? You, you know, got some time? Funny. Yeah, and it's so yeah. crazy. If you think about how we connected, literally, I was sitting and holding. We're working in Pasadena on CSI Cyber, and I hear this voice. I hear this guy talking about his stand-up, and I'm kind of listening. You know how it is when you're kind of in set. You're kind of overhearing things. And then I start hearing about this online radio show that you have and all these guests that you've interviewed. And I'm thinking, wow, I, I recognize every single one of these names that he's had on. You know, me being a huge film and TV buff, music buff as well, I'm thinking, wow, this guy really knows his stuff. So we spent the next few hours of me basically picking your brain and you give me so much advice and, and so forth and I really appreciate that man so I think the listeners are really going to enjoy your background so we'll get started question number one before Cooper talked in Los Angeles Cooper talked in Philadelphia so what was it like kind of building your career and your comedy in the city of brotherly love well it's funny I mean I, I went to college in New Jersey and I graduated with a degree in business and I knew I wanted to do stand-up okay and my mom had seen some learning annex class so I took that because I know I had no idea how to get into stand-up but yeah. at the time the Philly comedy clubs were booming. So I just started hitting up the mics and then, you know, I, I got, you know, I started developing my act and it was really dedicated. And then a guy named Grover Silcox recommended me to do this gig with him, with this booker. And, and back then this guy booked comedy clubs. He had like seven. Hmm. And I was playing in the Philly clubs because, you know, I used to work the door and it's funny because the people like Adam McKay used to work with me at the door, you know, wow. Oscar winner. We used to work as one of the doormen. He was a little younger than me. Yeah. And, so I just, this guy, I did good in the show, and this guy, this booker, Andy Scarpati, just 
filled and gave me 35 paid weekends. Back then, you know, you had the week to, to job during the week. And so you go to a club on a weekend, you'd host three shows, you do 15 to 20 minutes, and you're making between 150 and 200 a weekend. So you're like, hey, this is great. And then it just started developing from there. And I started going out on the road and um, doing it. And I did comedy for, I don't know, probably seven years. Wow. And then I got out of the business. I, I wanted to write, and I was in a, a bad marriage. And uh, we moved out west. And I wasn't really concentrating. I was just screwing around for a while. And uh, but yeah, I mean, it was comedy was great back then because you know we did comedy in Philadelphia to do comedy, and we're talking, you know, it was me and the class before me was Keith Robinson and Todd Glass. Oh wow! And the class around me, I mean, Paul Tompkins, you know, Adam McKay, uh, Patton Oswalt, and Blaine Capash were down in the Baltimore clubs, mm. and we worked for the Comedy Factory outlet, and we sort of had a rivalry because we were the Philly comics, they were the Baltimore comics, but we would go down there and do weekends, so it was really a good a good talent base, and it was the time that there was no PC, you know, you knew yeah. not to cover, you know, to go over the line, but you know, after the show, you'd, you'd all hang out, you'd go around the street to the diner or the Nick's roast beef in Philly and you'd get pictures of beer and you just BS and it was uh it was good and I, I got really I had some older comics that mentored me which was very important and then I kept that going I, I just talked to a guy who I didn't know forever and he said you know you uh you always were nice to me and in fact Adam McKay had sent me a message back on Facebook this was like two years ago when he was going to do my show and it never worked out he said, I'm only going to do your show because you're always cool and you take me to gigs and you're never a jerk. Yeah. And I learned you have to be that way in this business. Yeah, you really do. So you would say, if one thing you got to say, with such an amazing culture and group around you, you all just really were able to hone your skills together. You're around some seriously talented individuals. So would you say that was really a positive in terms of your development in your career? Yeah, it was good. I mean, the fact also is when you have younger guys, and we were all young, and the older statesmen were the older statesmen, they would get slotted positions. Yeah. But for us, when we were younger, you know, it was good because besides helping each other, we also wanted to screw the other person over on stage. <laughs> you know, you wanted to, you know, you wanted to have a killer set just so this person couldn't follow you. Yeah. Because the philosophy was, you know, there was only so much work for openers. Yeah. And once you got established as an opener, you worked all the time. But where we nurtured each other and we helped each other out, we also it was it was a competition, but a friendly competition. Yeah. Well, they say competition breeds talent, right? So just like in football or any other sport, you being around talented people, you had to step it up. You had to either sink or swim, right? So that was able to help you with Steve Cooper eventually having those improvisations, those amazing stand-up presence that leads to such successful Cooper talk. So being from Philadelphia in that area, a lot of the stand-up comedians I have from being in different places, I like to talk to them. How much was the Philadelphia culture in your stand-up? How many Not references? A Not I mean, a lot. I'll be honest. I mean, it's a culture that we know. Athletes would come to your shows. That was one cool thing. The yeah. late Peter Zezel was a hockey player who played for the Kings and the Flyers. Okay. And he was in the movie Young Bloods with Rob Lowe. Oh wow! Yeah, and Keanu. Yeah, and uh, he was um, he was a guy who saw me perform, and I and you get to, you get to know the guys, you know, because we were D celebrities, you know. I mean, we we're D E celebrities because we played the clubs, but you know, we didn't really talk that much about sports because. Philadelphia, I mean, unless you're making fun of the Cowboys or stuff like that, Philadelphia is such a sensitive topic that, you know, I remember I used to do a bit that I made fun of Bubby Brister when he quarterbacked for the Eagles. That's yeah. How long it is. But, uh, <laughs> before McNabb. Yeah. But you really, you really don't want to make a lot of fun of the sports team because everyone's very sensitive. You know, mm. I noticed this when I was going back to see Joanne when I was by Coastal for two years. You know, the Eagles would lose out here. I'd go to the bar down the street if they're not on regular TV. They lose, I come home. 
back there, it's like everybody's depressed because, you know, the day before the game, everybody's wearing Eagles jerseys or Flyers jerseys or shirts. Like, I mean, 75-year-old ladies, I have an Eagles baseball hat on in the supermarket. She's like, hey, go Eagles. <laughs> so we didn't really we didn't really talk about the sports thing because you have it's, to. Such a, it's such a touchy situation yeah. because we underachieve. You underachieve. Yeah, it's just one of those things. And as you know, me being a Raider fan, I've certainly had to deal with that the last, I'd say, 15 years. Is it as long as a, uh, a depressive you know, experience as being an Eagles fan? No, but it's been pretty tough for me. So, some and plus, the, our, and plus you beat us in the Super Bowl. And so plus, I, I was in high school. There. Absolutely, we beat you in the Super Bowl. Dick Vermeil, great guy, Vince Papali, whatever. But yeah, the Raiders went ahead and fucking won that game. Now, something that's tough for me sometimes is when I don't get a chance to eat pizza. I don't know if you're a pizza fan, but sponsor of the What the Fuck Show, Ferris Pizza is the best pizza for the best price with the most love in it. So, Mr. Cooper, next time you're in Bakersfield, California, please check out Ferris Pizza. I, you know, I only eat pizza once in a while because I don't watch my sodium. I love a good pizza. Uh, in Burbank, we don't have a lot of good pizza. In fact, you know, this is, and you're a pizza fan, I know. Yeah. You're going to hate me for this, and I'm, I'm going to say this. Okay. If you, this past Sunday, we didn't know what to do for dinner, and we'd done it a few weeks ago. We did it at the Super Bowl. You know what? Instead of ordering pizza from like around here from like Little John, I mean, Big John's or whatever it's called, Go Papa's or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. You went to, uh, we, we got a frozen pizza. Okay. I got, I got the uh, the tombstone for four twenty nine. Everything on it and Ralph's shit was pretty good. That's pretty good. Tombstone's pretty good. Now you know I was gonna get in this a little later, but why don't we talk about it now about your history with sodium? You had some health scare and you went ahead and you wrote a book. And I could tell you, even in my experience, doctors said I need to lay off a little bit of sodium for the high blood pressure or whatnot. I run really hot, so I need to watch out with my sodium. I love Mexican food. I love pizza. Unfortunately, those things are just riddled with sodium. So let's talk about this book that you wrote about trying to trying to help people avoid the salt in their diets. Well, four, about four years ago, actually, uh, four years ago, a week ago. Wow, nice I image. had been, uh, I had been going uh, for about a month, a month and a half. I felt really sick, and it was a point where I went to the doctor. They said I have respiratory infection. I, I swear to God, one night I passed out. I had chest pains, whatever. Got on a plane, flew across, fell, passed out, missed my shuttle. Had to take a cab to the airport for an early flight. Wow. Got into Philly. I didn't meet the Philly fanatic though. We went to a Phillies game, okay. but I could barely walk. And when I came back, I was just shot. I couldn't get out of bed. And I sat there and I was at my friend's party. And I remember I'm someone who usually hangs out at parties. And I left early. And the next day I went to the hospital and they thought it was a walking pneumonia and I had congestive heart failure, which, wow. you know, I can understand because, you know, I used to smoke. I was a heavy drinker. You yeah. know, I did comedy in the 80s, so I'm not going to say what else we did. <laughs> but it was, it was a different lifestyle. Yeah. You know? And I worked in the restaurant business even when I was in corporate marketing and waiting tables and all that. So you're not around good food. Yeah. And I was in the hospital for five, four or five days. Wow. And they said to combat congestive heart failure, it builds up fluid. And so basically salt and sodium holds fluid. So I knew I had to change my diet. And when I got out of the hospital – Luckily, I had cooked for myself before. I had been worked in a restaurant years ago that I cooked at. And I said, you know what? I got to watch the salt. So I started doing research, you know, just my research, just reading labels. And I said, you know what? The problem about health these days is everybody eats crappy food and they, they say, oh, eating healthy is expensive. And I said, no. So I got I had 120 recipes. The website stopthesalt.com. Mm. It's the book. It's uh, 120 recipes. It's called Stop the Salt. Uh, low sodium cooking for one without killing yourself. It's 120 recipes. Uh, no pictures because that intimidates people. No long list of ingredients. It's basic easy cooking. Like, you know, it's for, you know, a guy who just got divorced or whatever. Someone just wants to 
get healthier. Clean it up, yeah. Tables, you know, because sodium and blood pressure is, is is awful now. And you know, I'm on I'm on blood pressure medication, and you know, but you being a young guy, you don't want to go on it. Because when I went on it, man, it made my nose run. And I was doing a show back in Philly when I was seeing Joanne back there before she moved out here. Yeah. And I was talking about this bad area, and this lady up front looks like me. She's like, "Oh," I said, "Lady, I didn't buy drugs here. Believe me, I have a bad heart. If I did coke, I would die on the stage right now, and that would be a show you never forget about." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's pretty interesting, man, because that's a you know, there's a lot of authors out there, and I've been very fortunate to have them on my show. They've written very good books, whether it's Lucy Amundsen from Locally Laid and so forth. But Stop the Salt, I mean, it's something again in my own personal experience and people around me. It's something that Americans in general don't jump on until it's a little too late. Now, we hope it's not as late as congestive heart failure situation, but it's something that we all need to watch out for because nowadays all our food is just riddled with it. And people don't consider that. You know, they think, oh, the doctors are great now. I'm going to go ahead and live till 90 because of all the medicine. But don't put yourself in a position to have to see the doctor, right? So it's kind of one of those things you can help yourself in the meantime by stepping out the salt. So listeners out there, whether you're in Los Angeles and Bakersfield in uh, Philadelphia or wherever, if you're in a satellite, which would be fucking awesome, go ahead and check out Stop the salt stop the salt.com and uh, try to limit your sodium consumption now we talked about your stand-up career it sounds like a very expansive and a very interesting career obviously some things that you can't talk about because the 80s were the 80s which i love and one thing i have to say since i was born in the 80s but i'm a 90s baby i can't forget this this is the first time on the show that i get to say that i'm hanging with mr cooper so as you know someone being born in the 90s that's pretty awesome for me do you remember that show on tgif Dude, when I lived in North Jersey when I was doing comedy, I lived outside New York. I substitute taught at a school in Nutley, New Jersey. Oh, man. School. And I was the cooler sub because I had long hair. It's when I had hair. And I dressed hip. I was a comic. Yeah. I wasn't on the road. I would sub. And all the kids, <laughs> all the kids would say, hey, how you with Mr. Cooper? <laughs> I would hear it. And I was, and then I, it was so funny because just the way the education system is, how back then some of the teachers were so out of the loop. I would let the kids call me Coop, and they'd be like, "You call him Mr. Cooper." And I'm like, "Shut yeah, up, come on, man!" But the kids call me what they want to call me. You know, I mean, I get along with them. I actually yell at them, but they, I gained their respect. It was like it was like the sweat hogs from Welcome Back, Cotter. It was like special ed kids, but they weren't they weren't special ed kids. They were kids who were troubled. Or back then, you know, dyslexia wasn't really known, or, or neither was AD. ADD or whatever it's called. Yeah. So kids would get up and walk around, you know, and I'd be like, sit down, sit down. And, and it was cool though. But yeah, so they saw us call me hanging with Mr. Cooper. Well, welcome back, Cotter. That's the first reference I've had of that show. I mean, I know that Terrence, I know that what's his name? Travolta was on it. That's about all I know from that show, but I know it's pretty, pretty big back in the day, right? Oh, it was huge. It was, it was huge. We all, we all kids, you know, we were like, oh wow, they were, they were the sweat hogs. They yeah. were bad kids in school. You know, like my, my trigonometry teacher used to call them the kids like that in my class, the vegetable patch. The vegetable patch. Well, it, it kind of goes with the theme along with you being able to communicate with people effectively, which kind of makes a good educator, makes a good stand-up comedian. And then most importantly, we move on to the where you're at now in Cooper Talk. Now, did you kind of use that ability that you know how to talk and speak with people and kind of make engaging conversation? Is that what led you to start your online, your, your radio show? Or how did that transpire? Because 500 episodes, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. You're a pro. Doing it for five years. Uh, there are also some episodes I didn't post because they were in the beginning. Um, actually, I wish I had had it because it, the system screwed up. I couldn't get a recording of it. On my ninth, probably my ninth episode, my guest was Mark Marin. Oh, wow. That's and, awesome. Uh, I just got him from a cold call and I, we knew some of the same people. Yeah. But basically, I'd always thought radio would be cool. And I didn't know, you know, I'd been out of the entertainment business and I, I, I was screwing around for a lot of years. You know, I was getting some freelance writing gigs here and there, you know, and waiting tables and then I was uh, doing restaurant marketing and I, I rose up very quickly in uh, in 
doing marketing for restaurants because I was, I was with book parties. I'm talking to people. And I got very involved with the Burbank Chamber of Commerce. And mm. Indy 100 was a radio station, internet radio station. And these girls from the Chamber of Commerce said to the guy, I met the guy around the station at a meeting, Cooper would be great. So I thought, oh, I do an 80s show. You know, and I played 80s music. But it wasn't that way because it's an independent station. So they basically said, you yeah, know, you can do the show. You can have an hour, hour a week. But you have, you have to play half music. So I had to play half music. And I went through their set list, whatever, their playlist. And I picked songs that I thought I would like. And I would interview people. Well, I did that for a few months. And, uh, and I'm sort of a pain in the butt, you know, because I didn't really want to interview people. I mean, I mean, I just wanted to interview people. And I was getting my skills up. And then the guy texted me one day and he's like, dude, he goes, your, your ratings, you know, I was getting like 3,000 listeners, you know. Wow. But then I, I jumped to like in a matter of a few months to 12,000. So he said, you know, we're going to give you another hour. I said, can I just do talk? He goes, yeah try it people seem to like you do it so i just started doing talk and i i really had no i knew from the get-go i i don't i, I do my research like I, I look up my wikipedia my imdb or their website but i don't write anything out because mm. i don't I, I want a conversation i mean some people do write and, and god bless them i just don't have the patience i just don't because my mind doesn't think that way i'm not i can't just write questions i mean i may sit there and think okay i'll ask them about this but i just started interviewing people and and I was starting off and I was getting the hang of it and then I would call it out you know Paul Tompkins came on in the beginning then I ran into Cato Kalin and I, I was getting some comics and then I ran into Darren Carter and I was getting these different comics and different people and it was fun you know and I got some people you know now I look back I, I would never have them on my show again nothing against them but <laughs> at the time there was the perfect level and then you know I, I sat there I said you know what I can't I like interviewing these comics but I said, I got to try to get bigger guests. And thank God for social media. Yeah. So I figured, hey, I put a little, I sent you a copy of the query letter that you could send, you know, to people. I put a little letter Absolutely. and I started, and I looked at my old letter from like three and a half years ago, just the difference in talent has changed. And I just started sending it. You know, and I was sitting there going, oh, wow. And, and it was lucky back then because I had a studio I recorded in and I started getting people. And it was, I, I knew I went for comics and writers and character actors. And then it just started snowballing, yeah. you know, and then people I know who recommend to me, you know, my, my friend, John Matta, who's been a comedy writer, he's a comic. His wife is a character actor named Rose Abdu. Well, she's best friends with Nia Bartolos, Kate Flannery, and Susie Nakamura, wow. who's now on Dr. Ken. So I sent Kate a letter and I said to John and Rose, I said, can I use your name? They said, yeah. I said, I'm friends with John and Rose. So Kate comes on and then Nia comes on. And next thing you know, I'm getting all these names. And, yeah. and, it, and it's weird because I always say, I'm, I don't have a name. It's not like, you know, you see some podcasts, you know, like my friend Jimmy Pardo, who has original, one of the original podcasts, who was on the Conan show. He knows everybody. You can understand when he gets guests. Yeah. But when I get some of my guests, I always go, wow, you know, how did I, how did I pull that off? But now I'm at the point where it's amazing. I mean, because I get a lot of bad guests and I, I miss out on some and I don't, I used to worry about it, but I'll send my letters. Some don't respond. Some do. Some it takes for a year to get, but I just started learning to do the talk and people consider me a very good conversationalist and they listen to an episode or two before I had one uh, agent uh, I talked to and his client was a girl named Kathleen Rose Perkins who's on a show called Episodes and she why she hasn't been nominated for an Emmy is crazy. Well, that was, an, that was an amazing show episode. She was she was the real – she was Carol Rand, the real good-looking girl who slept with all their bosses. Yes. 
beautiful girl. Yeah. Comedic timing, I mean, to the T. Carl's Jr. commercials, I believe. She kind of got, she gained some fame doing some pretty hot and sexy uh, Carl's Jr. commercials, if I remember correctly. Is that her? Yeah. Back. Okay. Well, she was sitting there and I talked to, I sent her a message on Facebook and I talked to her manager. And her manager said, where can I listen to your show? And that's, I understand. They don't know who I am. You know, I'm a, they don't they have to worry about their clients. Yeah. And then I called him back. No, he emailed me back. He goes, oh my God, we can't stop listening. We love this stuff. Yeah. So that's, you know, you, I mean, I, I got to the good names, but the thing is you have to constantly deliver. Yeah. And you have to, well, like you said, you talked about social media. That's kind of been a theme on my show as well, talking to people is the idea that, there's there's no reason not to, right? I mean, you send a letter out there and want to be on Cooper Talk. You have your amazing resume and all these episodes they can go ahead and look on for, you know, indication of exactly what you do. But what's the worst case if they say no? They say no. That's it. So you can use social media, send that out there and try to get them on the show. Now, let me ask you, you know, what kind of, what would you say, you started with stand-up comedians as your main guest, which makes sense. That was kind of your culture. But what were some of the tools that you took from your comedy career and applied in your kind of job as a host, as a radio host? Were there things that were very beneficial that you kind of used and you applied once you started hosting? Well, yeah, because when, when I did comedy, you know, the one thing when you learn, comedy's changed a lot, but back in the day, when you learned that if you were a, if you were a good host, like a comic where you could do 15 or 20 strong minutes up front, keep the crowd, interact with the crowd, you know, you learned that you always worked. Yeah. And that was the one thing, you always worked. And basically, being a host of a show, I basically, I just, and I think it also comes to the background of my marketing too, where mm. you just, you know, it, it's instinctual and that's the thing people miss. You know, it's like, it's like we, we've done background work together. Yeah. Well, people get all freaked out. What should I do? Just use your instincts. If, yeah. If someone's walking down the street, you're going to get out of the way. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's normal. Like, you know, see how people overact. It's like, no one talks like that. Talk like you would normally. Exactly. But with, the, with, with the comedy, I need to help just because you, if you can talk to a crowd of 200, 400, I think my biggest crowd I performed in front of was like 2,000. If you can perform wow. in front of them, you know what? You can talk one-on-one with a person. And it's just a matter of – it's just knowing what you're talking about and letting them letting them talk because the bottom line is – and you know because you're a good host. Thanks, our man. job is to listen. Yeah. Our, it's, it's not about us. No. And – so many people think they are, and they yell over their guests, and it's worse. I watch it on TV. Stephen A. Smith, the guy <laughs> interviews like an idiot. <laughs> Him and Skip Bayless. Yeah. They're both intelligent guys. Yeah. Put together, they're morons. And I've seen it with different shows where they interview people, and, and they sit there, you know, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, and that's the thing. It's, and I think it's instinct. Being a good host, I mean, yeah, I, I use my comedy tools just because I can I can think on the fly and I can make something funny. But as I say, my show's not a comedy. You know, like your show's the same. We're interview shows. We're like, you know, we're like the Charlie Roses, Got, the yeah. Larry Kings, but the cool of the, like the younger, like you're like the young, young Larry King. I'm like the young, young Charlie Rose. You know what I mean? That's what that's what, what we're about. Yeah, well, Larry King is like what? He's like 120 now. So you're, you're like teenager compared to Larry King out there. <laughs> but one thing I would ask you is that would you say that the fact that you just love talking to people is a big part of it? Opposed to those hosts out there who just are doing their job, you legitimately love having conversation with people. Is that right? Yeah, I love talking to people. And, and what also I love is... You know, I know you're a big film buff and a TV buff. I'm, as my friends say, I'm like the king of pop culture, man. You give me yeah. 80s stuff, I know it. And for me, I'm fascinated when I get guests like I Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Alan Rock. Yeah. I'm fascinated to hear the stories because that's the stuff I was watching in college. 
I love Miami Vice. Yeah. You know, when I had guys come on who have been guest stars on Miami Vice and they tell me about it. Or even the show Cold Case. I love that show. Mm -hmm. I I just I love to talk to people, but I love to talk to people on something I'm interested in. That's when I book my guests. I book I book people that I think I would want to have a conversation with. You know, I want to sit there and it may that's I sit there and go, I can talk to them about this. Like Ioni Sky was talking about Say Anything, and I'm like, we all remember that movie. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, not your generation is, but if you're my age, I'm 52, that's the stuff we watched. And when you sit there and you're talking about you know, this movie you remember seeing at a theater or seeing with a date, that's what it is. That's what's great about hosting is you know, when you get those guests, you talk to something that was, means something to you, so it's you care. And I, I always consider my guests, I consider them when I was younger – I collected baseball cards. Okay. You always wanted that good baseball card. Yeah. Well, I do that when I get guests. If I get a good guest, it's like it's like getting a good baseball card. Yeah. Add to my collection. Well, speaking of baseball cards, man, I was huge into baseball cards, and I had a few pretty important Mike Schmidt cards. I know you must be a Philly fan. So, what was your best uh, baseball card or football card you ever had? Well, I had I had, a, I had the Mike Schmidt rookie card. Okay. Sold that to move out west. Yeah. Uh, I had. Well, see, I had a ton of cards. My father. Growing up uh, for a while, owned a tobacco wholesaling company. Oh, wow. So he'd bring me boxes of unopened Topsome. And I had, man, I had Chamberlain. I had, oh, God, I had so many cards. I still have some upstairs. I had the OJ card. I was thinking if, if he was found guilty, that'd be worth a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. But I had just, there were so many, and I just loved them. And, I, and, you know, the difference was when I grew up, you know, we ruined so many of them. Mm -hmm. You know, like putting them in our spokes of our bike or flipping them against the wall because we used to sit there where you throw cards against the brick wall and whoever got closest would get the cards. And so you hit the wall, sometimes your car would get dented. Mm. But we didn't care about the mint condition. No. You know, it was just cool. You know, it's like we weren't collecting for money. We were collecting just because we loved baseball and football and basketball and hockey. So what are some of your, I guess, I mean, I could kind of assume, I mean, I, the Eagles going to the Super Bowl against the Raiders with Dick Vermeil, and you got to think uh, Allen Iverson with the 76ers. So some of, what's kind of the greatest sports moment of your life as a Philadelphia fan? Well, one of them was when the Eagles actually, because when they went to the Super Bowl against the Raiders with Vermeil was a great thing. Yeah. But I remember when they went to the last one, they lost to the Patriots. I remember I was at Gordon Beerish watching the game. I went up after the game. I almost cried, man. They went to the Super Bowl because it was I was older, you know. It was like it was different. I was a grown man. You've been through it, and, yeah. Yeah, and it was great. And then you know the Phillies winning those series back in the day. The Sixers. I mean, we all remember, you know, if you lived in Philadelphia, four five four. And then the Stanley Cups when when they beat Boston. I mean, that was that was the thing. That was like the the Flyers were a newer team, and, and Philadelphia really loved the Flyers just because their grittiness. And when they beat Boston, and it was Bobby Orr, you know, and the Boston. Bruins and, and that that was a big big thing because I was a little kid I'm not a little kid but I was young and I remember you know watching watching the games you know and, you, and back then you know the games would be on later because we're not in California yeah. so the game goes into overtime you know you have to talk your parents into letting you stay up and watch it mm -hmm. and that like that first that first Stanley Cup against Boston was probably like as a Philadelphia sports fan was just the thing that really I mean it was it was like Santa Claus coming early because yeah. we had that excitement. I was a, such a huge, huge sports fan as a kid. And it was just the excitement. Like, you know, just your team won the Stanley Cup and they were underdogs. No one thought they'd get there. And then they won it the second year in a row against Buffalo. And it was, you know, Bernie Perron and the bumper stickers. Only the Lord saves more than Bernie Perron. <laughs> and it was just, it was an amazing, that was an amazing time in Philadelphia sports. And then when the Sixers got good, that was later. But when they had Maurice, uh, Moses Malone and Dr. J and they won, you know, 
that was a big thing too. Yeah, those are good times in Philadelphia sports. It, things up now are kind of up and down. You know, you got the Sixers who continue to kind of get number one picks, but nothing's really working yet. And then you have the Eagles, who I think had a good coach in Doug Peterson, you know, former uh, former quarterback for the Eagles. And you got Carson Wentz, you got Sam Bradford, so lots going on. But I guess I would ask, we talked about the love for your sports. And so the love for media, film, television, even radio, who are some influences that a young Steve Cooper looked to that kind of gave them the push or maybe the motivation? Like, hey, what? You know what? I can Falcon do that too. I was a uh, huge Woody Allen fan. Okay. And I remember my dad watching Take the Money and Run. It was like on PBS. And I was little. And I I was like, wow. Because it it's such a cool script. Mm-hmm. You know, it was different. And it was, I was just like, wow, it really caught me, you know. And just the whole, I don't know, just I think for me, it, it was just the passion, you know, feeling like you're feeling like that, a lot of that came with music, you know, how music felt. You wanted to transcend that with your comedy or your, or your writing. Like when I would hear Springsteen, you know, growing up in New Jersey and then, you know, and then you see the, you know, the Godfather. I remember, you know, we were, we wanted to get my dad to take us to the Godfather too. And then he was gone to, but then he saw the preview and he, hmm. and mom and dad said, we'd have nightmares and, uh, and Jaws, you know, like, those things, I mean, I wasn't, I was never like a Star Wars kid, you know, I liked, I like. I was always attracted to mob movies, I loved the okay. mobs, and, uh, but yeah, and Woody Allen, and then, you know, comedy, just, you know, listening to like, uh, Carlin and Pryor, and then later, you know, you know, Eddie Murphy, just different stuff, and Kinison, just how they, and they're, they're, they're all influences, and I think you can constantly get influenced. Absolutely. Some of the best in the day. I mean, I could even say, I hope it's not too awkward, but I mean, I find myself influenced by you in some ways by listening to your show and kind of seeing how you do things. Certainly a veteran, certainly professional. The reason you have such an amazing, you know, what, what do I say, culture of people and fan base is because you're good at what you do. So I've certainly learned a lot from you, sir. And so far right now, we're on the What the Falk Show. I'm Connor Falk. My guest right now is Steve Cooper of the immensely popular radio show Cooper Talk. You're listening to SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. Don't forget Ferris Pizza, the best pizza for the best price, and the sponsor of the What the Falk Show. Now, Mr. Cooper, where can we find all of your all of your episodes? We can find them on coopertalk.net. We can also find you on Twitter, Facebook. We can find you on Podbean. This is your chance. Kind of give us a little promotion of where we can go ahead and find your content. Okay, uh, Cooper Talk, well, Cooper Talknet, that's where you can find all of them because Podbean is connected to Cooper Talknet. Okay. Um, you can go to Stitcher. You can go to iTunes. you got to type in one word, Cooper Talk, okay? And so you can do that. Um, also, on Twitter, I'm at Cooper Talk, at Cooper Talk. Instagram, I'm at Cooper Talk 1. Facebook, I just started a page. i got to follow it. It's Cooper uh, – I think it's Cooper Talk Radio. And then it's Steve Cooper. I'm, you know, I, I respond to people. And uh, that's the way to find it, you know? I mean, it's a matter of, you know – you go to my website and I, you know, you can listen to the shows. I'm played on 13 different affiliates. I honestly, I don't even know half of them what time. I just, on Tuesdays, I record my shows and then I just send like 12 to certain stations and eight. Yeah. And uh, so yes, coopertalk.net's the best way. And if people want to email me, uh, my email is cooper, easy enough, cooper at coopertalk.net. Mm-hmm. I always respond. I like to hear from people. And uh, I just, you know, I just want to, uh, keep doing this you know i mean i now i you know i mean this sounds great like it's funny because i interviewed uh adrian paul from the highlander yeah. uh, show the other day and the reason it was weird is he said he was right on the microphone and and that the, the quality on that episode i just posted isn't that great i'll be honest because i do it skype but 
for some reason, I had the volume full up. He wasn't sounding me, so I don't, I don't know what he's doing. But uh, besides that, the quality is good. I'm not in the studio anymore, so I, it's good for me because I'm getting a lot of people from all around the country. You know, some of my influences from Philly, some you know friends, musicians in Florida. You know, I can hit people up in New York. I can get different actors, so it's good. Yeah, it's good to have more control. You would say, you know, over Skype, you East Coast, West Coast, different countries and whatnot. So Skype, you also introduced me to kind of using that. We're using that right now for your episode. I certainly like it because using the phone, you don't know whether it's the carrier or where they're located. Sometimes it's just very difficult to hear people. So I appreciate you kind of pushing me that way. Do now, I sound okay? yeah, I think you sound pretty great right now. You sound, yeah. You don't get the echo. You don't. You don't get the uh, echo that. Um that the phone sometimes gets. Exactly. So I think it sounds pretty fucking great. So, I mean, next episode, you also told me you're going to go ahead and have the actor from Heroes. And Heroes was such an immensely popular show, especially I'm, I'm the first few seasons. Him. I didn't get him yet. You didn't get him yet. Okay, we, I can go ahead and edit that. Don't worry. Okay, so next up. My next, okay, this week, well, actually, tomorrow I'm interviewing a guy named Rob Steinberg, who's in 12 Years a Slave. Awesome. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. And then uh, on Tuesday, I'm going to interview guy named Matt Malloy, who you would know him. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He was he actually produced him as a co-star of a movie years ago called In the Company of Men. It was a, a Neil LeBute movie. Very dark. Very mm. dark movie. I want to check that out. I've certainly heard a lot of Neil LeBute, so I want to check that out. So, okay, here, we're, we're nearing the end of the episode. This is the point where I, I kind of give you some rapid-fire questions, just questions that you cannot prepare for, and you just have to answer right off the cuff. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, would you rather go on a week vacation with Chip Kelly in Hawaii or punch Andy Reid in the face? Uh, I would like to take Andy Reid and punch him in the face in Hawaii because I hate both of them. I know. You hate, you hate Andy Reid too? I just assumed you hated Chip I, Kelly more. I, I hate Andy Reid. Well, now I have to ask I'm you. Like what? the one. I'm like, I, I hate him. Why do you hate Andy Reid? I want to get into this. Because, you know, here's the deal. Everyone goes, oh, yeah, he took us to all these championship uh, playoff games. Well, here's the deal. If you're a salesman and you have five big deals and you don't close any, you're fired. If you're a surgeon <laughs> and you have five big surgeries, five <laughs> surgeries, and you lose all the patients and they're – you're, you're done. Yeah. So Andy Reid took, never took us to the prom. He took us to the promised land. It was like, I always say, it's like Andy, Andy Reid was the bridesmaid. Okay. Okay. So, okay. You're, you're an honest sports fan. You're realistic. So let me ask you this. It's hard for me right now because the Raiders actually look like the future is bright. It's really weird for me. I'm such a pessimist in terms of being a fan. Who do you think has a brighter future for the next five years? The Philadelphia Eagles or the Oakland slash Las Vegas slash San Antonio slash Los Angeles Raiders? Depends on your quarterback. If your quarterback stays healthy, you'll be good. But the problem is, it seems Oakland goes through quarterbacks lately. I don't think you've had a really good one since Rich Gannon. Since Rich, yeah. And I'm hoping Derek Carter as well. He's actually from my hometown. Shout out to Bakersfield, California. He's good. But yeah, I think the Eagles, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what this kid's going to do. Yeah. You have no idea. I don't know. I mean, this year might be good. I thought we were going to do good last year. As I said, with Philadelphia, you never know. They have no running backs right now. I mean, they have Matthews and Sproles, but they're, you know, they both get hurt. Sproles is a great situational back. Yes, absolutely. And I can tell you, in that division, at least for me, that's the team that I would root for the most, that I just do. I have least problems with Philadelphia than I do with the Redskins or the Cowboys. The Cowboys just bug me. The fact that everyone, everyone loves them. Everyone loves them or hates them. I don't know. They just bug me. So next on the rapid fire, would you rather have a pet dragon or a talking ninja monkey? I'd rather probably have a uh, talking ninja monkey because I love monkeys. I have a stuffed animal of a monkey. I bought one time on sale at Kmart. That's awesome. It was like half price because it was like a Dodger monkey, but someone stole the jersey. So it's just a <laughs> monkey. And I used to keep it on a chair. And Joanne has it on the floor now. So I'd rather have a monkey. Yeah, the ninja, yeah, that would screw me up. But I was a big fan of the... Uh, Pink Panther movies, and he's sort of a ninja living with him. Oh, Snappy. nice. Pink Panther drop here. Don't get that much. Okay, awesome. So you'd have the, the ninja monkey. Next up, who plays Mr. Steve Cooper in the Cooper movie? Um, Ah, God. If he was younger, William Hurt could play me. Wow, um, nice. 
if he was younger, the guy who played Uncle June from The Sopranos could play me. Yeah. I would like to have Elvis Costello play me. I think I, I would like that because I think he would be a very good actor. Yeah, he's talented, and we have to look. And I think I would like to have Elvis Costello play me. I, I see that, and I gotta be honest, man. When you posted the Sopranos thing on Facebook, like it just—I watched that show. I was like, holy crap! That holy folk, that is Mr. Cooper. Like twenty years from now, yeah. he could yeah. be that guy. Like often, people from the old folks. Or so Pitbull. Pitbull could play me. Or Pitbull. Or or like, don't you think the guy from uh, Letterman? I know. Haven't you had hit him on the show as Paul well? Schaefer. Yeah. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul Schaefer's too old. He's too small to play me. He's too small to play you, for sure. Okay, well, uh, sir, I really appreciate you coming on the What the Falk Show. People listen to SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitch. They can check out Cooper Talk on Podbean, on on iTunes, on coopertalk.net, on Facebook, on Twitter, really everywhere out there. Put in Steve Cooper or Cooper Talk. You're going to pop up. So this is your chance right here. Anything you want to say to the listeners? Can I say goodbye? Uh, no, I'm just glad you called. I'm glad we got to do this. We've gone back and forth, and, uh, you know, just uh, just listen to my show, people. You know, I try to get guests. You know, internet radio and podcasts are the way to go because I listen to some regular radio and it's full of commercials. And, yeah. and at least like when we have commercials, like Connor will read his sponsor. We read our sponsor. It's not going away to some stupid overproduced bullshit. No, yeah. First voice. So just keep listening to my show. Listen to Connor's show. You know, go out and find yourself podcasts because there's so much out there and you got to keep supporting us. And, you know, and send us money. <laughs> and stop the salt.com. Buy the cookbook. I'll sign it to you. It's 10 bucks plus shipping and handling. Go to my website. You can pay through PayPal and I'll send it out to you. Fuck yeah, man. I'll, and I'll be sure to have all those links and all that information in the description of your episode, which people will be able to see. So, Steve Cooper, man, I'm really glad that we met on the set and I'm really glad that we're friends and I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thanks, dude. Thank you, man. You have a good night, Paul. Okay. Uh, Connor, you- Paul. Like, talking to Paul Street. Have a good night, Connor. <laughs> you too, bro. Good weekend. That was Steve Cooper of the Cooper Talk, uh, one of the best online radio shows, radio shows out there, as he says, 13 affiliates, different parts of the country, whether you're you're stuck in traffic, you're bored at school, like the What the Falk show, Cooper Talk is also a great show to go ahead and provide the time filler in those boredom parts of your day. I'm Connor Falk, this is the What the Falk show, you're listening through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. Sponsor of the What the Falk show, Ferris Pizza is the best pizza for the best price with the most love in it. Now, whether it's someone from entertainment, whether it's a comedian, an actor, an educator, a fitness instructor, someone in the health realm, someone in sports, whatever I can do, whatever guests I can have to provide some witty, informational, entertaining conversation, as I said, to fill those boring times of your day. You're in traffic, you're at school, you're playing video games, your boyfriend and girlfriend is talking too much and you want to listen to that. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week and have a great Falcon evening, a great Falcon morning ahead of you, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks.